0: the positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, Alright, Jesus Christ, well, I'm drinking this time. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to Pod Damn America, the gothic socialist podcast for the stupid drowning children that are drowning because the sea is rising ten feet over the little, little ninos' heads. Um, I'm Jake Flores, I don't know what I was going for there, um, uh, little, uh, Anders Lee is here from D.C.,
1: Anders Lee here from DC, from downtown.
2: Downtown, DC. Downtown, Anders Lee Brown. Debatably, Clown Town. <laughs> Whoa.
0: Uh, la, 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 and Alex Patak is here.
2: What's up, everybody? Uh, it's great to be here for the first time doing podcasts.
0: Yep, this did not, we're not redoing a podcast at all. Um, we're professionals. And <laughs> we have a special guest from the damn Dollop, from the Dollop. Podcast, Dave Anthony, welcome to the show. Hello, uh, ah, hi, you're here, Dave. You thanks anything? for coming it's on. Exciting.
1: I feel so soothed the, the hearing your voice in real time. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: It's so much better than when my mouth is just opening and closing, but
1: yeah. you guys can't hear anything.
0: It was it was weird when that was happening the the first time around.
2: I for one am glad it's over.
0: It felt like in Harry Potter when they trap people in a painting.
2: Yeah, and they look around all <laughs> mad, but they're just in a painting. But they can't.
0: They have mouths, but they can't scream. Are
2: those alive? I always think about that, because they move around and do stuff. Nothing in that shit what, the makes Demon sense. No, not Dementors. Anders, are you no. listening
0: or not? <laughs> have you not read the Twitter posts about how it's politics? Dementors uh, are another thing. Um, I don't
1: know. I'm just happy that they... Did you see... Um, they asked Bernie about Harry Potter and just, like, didn't get the reference.
2: Um, (laughs)
0: God damn. Like, he he didn't know
1: what it was? He rules so hard. (laughs) Hassan Minhaj interviewed him, and he tried to make a Harry Potter joke, and Bernie just, like, stared at him. (laughs) (laughs) Blankly.
0: The the man's been... That's amazing. He's been doing important political shit for the last 100 years. He doesn't have time to watch (laughs) the damn Death Eater movie.
2: It's the way those references deserve to be treated, so for it to happen even once, yes. it's very special. I yeah.
0: the I the thing I like about him is that like he is only very cool in a really specific way, which is that he has good politics and he's kind of a grump. But like
2: he cool like a like a like the grumpy dwarf is cool. Well, it's
0: just fun to watch him interact with all the bullshit like, actual like politician politicians, and he's just like yeah okay whatever or whatever. But. Uh, <laughs> He, like, a good example of this is he doesn't have good taste in music, which kind of sucks, but it's actually acts kind of very endearing because he just doesn't give a shit. They keep, well, he likes Motown. I mean, but they have to, like... <laughs> they, have to, <laughs> they have to pull answers like that out of him when they talk to him about music, and it, he's very clearly does not give a shit. <laughs> like, he's having events with Bonnie Iver, which, like, fine. The Strokes are going to be in New Hampshire. Cool, I guess, if you're... <laughs> A certain age you this know is how
2: he lost the Kanye caucus
0: <laughs> but it's actually a good sign that he doesn't have like some superficial fucking like you know Billy Eilish playing his <laughs> thing or whatever um, the billionaires are the bad guy when in 2016 when uh, when Bowie died he was pl- they were playing Bowie at his events but like he like didn't know what it was yeah i like, yeah. in charge of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They asked him. They asked him, "What's your favorite David Bowie song?" Like the day
1: after he died, and he's just like, "I was not familiar with the songwriter."
0: <laughs> How do you miss Bowie? By yeah. really, really, really caring about socialism, Democrats. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, without getting bogged down in the ongoing uh, gnostic demonic time stop spell that is Iowa, lasting the rest of our lives, um. Talk about a very specific thing here today, and uh, invite you on, Dave, because I know that you have a background in uh, this topic. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, climate, end of the world. Um, <laughs> Does that interest you? <laughs> we're going to talk about how we're all going to get <laughs> yeah. killed by hurricanes, etc. Um, Alex, do you want to go ahead and get us started? Yeah, sure. And then I'll we'll insert um, myself afterwards.
2: Well. This is a slice of life from uh, what I've got going on. I'll, I'll, I'll be on the internet like you or your average your average fellow, and uh, I'll browse the articles, I'll read Twitter, I'll do, I'll do what you do. And uh, I found this very special one I thought would be a good place to start our talk about climate change. Uh, it's the kind of thing you read, I don't know, every other week. It comes up and you just kind of take it in and then uh, move right along with your day. But I thought this one had a really good title. It was called, uh, it was in Common Dreams, and it was called, quote, Really, Really Bad, Scientists Raise Alarm, Over warm ocean water beneath, quote, Doomsday Glacier in Antarctica. <laughs> no
0: good. <laughs> oh, shit, says a scientist.
2: <laughs> they just, like, they can't be any more direct with just, like, we're very serious. You should be reading these more carefully. They're going to affect your life. And you just read that and then go on to your preferred porn source.
0: Does anyone hear the scratching sound? Sorry, right. that was me. Yeah, stop. Uh, I was yeah. sharpening a pencil <laughs> in California. Did you have a dog
2: on top of your microphone? <laughs> <laughs>
0: when I, think I about squirrels. When I think <laughs> about climate change, I have to sharpen pencils.
2: <laughs> we have, we yeah, have to check. The, the reality of Jake's apartment is it could be like an imminent situation somewhere <laughs> 10 feet with, from us.
0: It could be a number of different types of critters yeah.
2: in here. A lot of critters. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I lived
0: with mice when I when I lived in New York. It was good. Mm-hmm. So, like it was just a roommate, paid rent. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Doomsday. I, like when I
2: lived in New York. Mice were my roommate. <laughs> 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 uh, Back to the topic at hand. Yeah. Doomsday Glacier. So i uh, as you know you might think uh, Doomsday Glacier, not the original name of the glacier. It was called the Thwaites Glacier, no last name. Mm. It is a 75-mile-wide husky glacier in Antarctica, and uh, they drilled 2,000 feet of ice deep into it to discover uh, that the ice at the bottom was only 32 degrees Fahrenheit, which, although it might seem chilly for you, was actually uh, alarmingly warm for a glacier. And this glacier, which, you know, we know and love, is uh, actually kind of alarming because if it melted, you know, which will take a while. It would raise the sea level 10 feet, roughly the size of stilts.
0: It is alarming if a scientist digs inside of a glacier that is threatening to drown all of us, and it's the same temperature that it is in my apartment.
2: Mm-hmm. If it's a, if it's like the temperature of fridges it, that does not like effectively keep your food good, it's yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah, problem. so... Uh, Just in this casual reading, we found out that the Doomsday Glacier melted to be a 10-foot sea level rise. And just in the U.S., that would mean a loss of 28,800 square miles of coastal land, pushing 12.3 million people currently living in those areas out of their homes.
0: Florida! Specifically Florida! Florida would get even skinnier. (laughs) Parts of uh, Louisiana,
2: probably. But that's just the U.S., too, because there are so many, you know, especially, like, I think Southeast Asian cities that are just, like, barely above the water. With millions and millions and millions of, millions of
0: people, Jakarta. yeah, exactly,
2: yeah. so the numbers are actually far, far scarier than that.
0: I grew up in uh, Texas, and uh there's Galveston is down there, which is a right. town in the Gulf where there is a wall they just had to build to like keep out hurricanes because the town kept getting destroyed by hurricanes, so they did like the only thing that Texas knows how to do and just built the a fucking wall. wall. <laughs> but, uh, they got in a fort. It's like such a band-aid situation because the fuck. if everything just raises up, they just gotta like build another one or something. Yeah, and
3: the oil companies have requested that the, the Texas build a wall around their
0: oil refineries. Wonderful. <laughs> Which again
2: is one of their favorite things to do. As you may have heard in Texas, they like things big.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that that Doomsday Glacier isn't the only glacier, which is the exciting part. No. You know, they're all over the
0: place. Right. And they're all melting. This is gonna happen, like, a million times over.
2: It's just the one with the best name. Somebody gave it a week ago, I'm guessing.
3: Yeah, I mean, because it's huge. It's the size of Florida, so it's a big glacier. You know, so if it goes, it's... But they say decades or a hundred years, but... Also these things aren't linear you know there's there's glaciers in Antarctica that uh, that one one broke off recently and 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 they realized it was it was basically holding up other glaciers so now the other glaciers will move rapidly or you could have what what they call a pulse where is just a big big chunks sloughs off into the ocean and sea level rises super fast
0: yeah that was a load bearing glacier this is going to be a real problem <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, the fun thing about climate change is uh, even when you're not an expert like myself, you get a very clear impression after even just a minor glance that uh, the scientists who have predictions for how all of these things work together are constantly surprised at how much worse the situation is than they originally thought.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, one, one of the things about uh, the way uh, they've been doing their models is they're, they're not modeling for the worst case scenarios and so we're hitting those worst case scenarios in some instances and they, they haven't built their, commu- their their computer models around that no, so they're kind of surprised yeah
1: they're also assuming that uh, more in private investment in green technology is just inevitable and that will just come with economic growth even though there's no nothing to really support that
3: no not at all i mean the only yeah. way it's going to that's going to happen is if if it, people take to the streets and, and you know, destroy oil companies with their, yeah. with their fucking hands.
2: Yeah, so this is like, uh, there's so much to cover here. And again, that the, these just like apocalypse warnings you get every other week, just as a uh, general uh, mildly interested citizen that uh, you have to kind of wonder how we got to this place specifically where everyone is aware of what should be this directly life-threatening issue, but no one seems to care, which is very strange. If you think about it,
3: I think I think that like Australia is going to be a really good sort of test case right now because they are obviously um, have the fires, which are completely insane. Mm -hmm. And if they don't uh, change and have drastic action, I think it's really like, yeah, uh, it might be a game over situation because you just get used to it. You just get used to the disasters. You get used to all the news. And then the other thing is, is we're not being told. Like, the whole world's on fucking fire. Uh, it, it, it's catching on fire everywhere. You, we just got uh, uh, the Australian news because it's very dramatic, but, you know, er, go go look at maps of where the fires are. They're all over the place, and they're burning where they shouldn't be burning. So we're not getting the news, but also when that catastrophe happens and no one reacts like they should, which they should be reacting like they're all going to die. I mean, that's how Australia should be reacting. And if they don't, well... I think it's a really bad sign for humanity. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Australia as the test case. The test is not going well. I'm not sure if you've heard any news from over there. There's essentially no pushback or move to improve the situation at all. We did an episode with... uh, uh, somebody from a podcast over there, and it's pretty bleak.
0: Yeah, well, they're are too, too relaxed. Of people is the problem. Is they just uh, <laughs> famously go for a swim in the ocean when everything's on fire and hope it'll sort itself out.
2: People were literally hiding in the ocean during those fires. They're just yeah. waiting on the shore for it to stop.
0: Just <laughs> drinking those huge goddamn beers. You can't just—that's <laughs> not the answer to everything, Australia. <laughs>
2: They don't actually drink Every go-bag should have an emergency for I think I,
3: I think it's like 70% of the people now think that, it, that they're in a climate emergency. But you know, what does that translate to? They have the same problem uh, that we have here, which is you know, their Democratic Party uh, is, is shit. And, and while they're saying we need to stop climate change, they're also approving the biggest coal mine in the world. So people aren't going to come out and vote for them because they're even that party is not doing anything about climate change. So right, they've
2: pivoted to coal. <laughs> That's the yeah. Roof I mean, right it's now. It's, <laughs> it's just
3: completely insane. So you know, it, it all it all just goes down to corruption, and and it's not a surprise that the two countries that are really the worst with climate change are controlled by Rupert Murdoch media.
2: Yeah, the the effect on media is going to be a lot of what we're talking about here. But I thought it would be like a good. Uh, Modern place to start in terms of where just the general confusion, which was intentional on the part of the power companies, started. And from what we know right now, scientists, because I don't know if you're you're aware of this, but uh, people are, like, pretty good at science. We've been to, like, the moon and stuff. Have you seen this?
0: Yeah, yeah. I fucking love science.
2: They, like, go down into the earth and they go into the ocean. Yeah.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of really smarty pants out there.
2: Glasses are just like everyone has them by this point.
0: That is, that is so true. Are you going somewhere with this point? I'm struggling to follow, Alex.
2: The point is there are newspaper articles as far back as the 50s warning of the exact same thing that we have to convince people of today. But okay. we know specifically in terms of the energy companies that uh, Exxon, now Exxon Mobil, was aware of climate change from their own internal research teams as early as 1977, 11 years before it became a public issue. There was a big groundbreaking article on this back in twenty fifteen. I remember when this came out, and it was just kind of like, "Oh, they screwed us on purpose. They knew and they did it on purpose."
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. And you know, the you know the the Koch brothers, like uh, up until uh, two thousand seven, the Republicans were on board with uh, doing something about climate change. Right. And then, the, and then the Koch brothers came on and dumped in all their money, and and that obviously changed everything. But now the thing that the Koch brothers are doing is taking over the judicial wing. Because that'll stop all lawsuits against Exxon and them. And, you know, now they're covering their ass on that end. It's going to be
2: very hard to get anything past the Supreme Court,
1: for sure.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Um, was
1: so weird to look back and and see, like, Al Sharpton and Newt Gingrich in that ad together. They're just, like, sitting on a couch on the beach. Seeing, like, (laughs) we have to do something. We don't know what, but it's got to be something. How did that couch get to the
2: beach? (laughs) <laughs> Why are you acting like this is normal? <laughs> and, you you know, you read about these things in the, you know, corruption. You don't want to be conspiratorial. So you think, like, okay, maybe somebody knew, but maybe it's just a rogue agent and it wasn't that bad. But then you look into this at all, and it's actually far more damning than you could possibly guess. Uh, the senior scientist in the 70s, his name was James Black, and... Uh, He wrote to the higher-ups at the company. He was like, okay, so we see there's climate change. Quote, present thinking holds that man has a time window of five to ten years before the need for hard decisions regarding changes in energy strategies might become critical. And then, lo and behold, ten years later, Exxon creates the Global Climate Coalition, their PR group, to talk (laughs) people out of acting on climate change.
3: (laughs) Um, The name is global it's really climate bad.
1: coalition so are they trying to sound like they actually care or they're just pure deniers their
2: move uh, throughout the 80s and 90s was to enthusiastically deny there was any kind of consensus on climate change which is kind of the discourse we grew up in which is you know there's a lot of warnings but i'm not convinced and that's where all yeah. the pr funding for that started It it becomes an issue that uh, is about preserving market forces and their ability to act with the hopes that, you know, over time, we'll figure it out. Mm.
0: Yeah, as we get into where I'm going to go with this, we've touched on a couple of things uh, that I think are really central to the the problem. One of them being uh, the Koch brothers and their sort of astroturfing of these ridiculous, you know, vaguely named things like the climate Coalition, uh, but the other side of the coin is the um, fellows. The uh, the idea, the the idea that's becoming more and more ridiculous as time marches forward that this can be solved with some sort of like market solution. Probably um, mm-hmm. the worst line in the TV show Rick and Morty of uh, the entire run there's just something that happened on that show that made me like jump up out of my chair and get mm-hmm. pissed off as uh, they turned Rick into a pickle well Rick is <laughs> supposed to be this guy <laughs> that the <laughs> viewers of this TV show I got so mad when they turned him into a pickle because that's what's going to happen to us no um hey, he's going <laughs> to therapy no uh, uh there's a lot uh, Rick you know Sanchez is supposed to be this guy who I know Dan Harmon co- sort of writes a lot of his uh, theories through that he thinks he's super right about and um you know, he's supposed to be this guy that's smarter than um, fucking both left and right, et cetera. He's, you know, he he understands the downfalls of the government. He's kind of this libertarian character or whatever. But he, at one point he goes like, he just says something about how there should be a, like a carbon tax that would solve global warming. And it's written in this way where you're supposed to be like, damn, dude, that's so smart. And that's literally like... We've tried it. You it doesn't it fucking out, work.
2: You know there's a tax. I know. <laughs> I,
0: I, 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 I get so mad at him. And I, you know, it's, I it did the Morty voice. For
3: it. The last estimates I saw for a carbon tax for them to be effective, it's, it's, up, it's upwards of $300 now. So uh, it's completely, you know, it could have been in the 80s if we did that. You know, it might have had some impact. But now it's like it would just collapse the economy.
2: Right. It would have been a fun place to start decades ago, but actually by this point, it is far past the kind of like piecemeal measures you can hope to do. The yellow vest protests in France, for the last few years are all about, a like, relatively small carbon tax that essentially just offloads the economic burden of these things just onto anyone who drives.
0: Right, hence the yellow vest. Mm-hmm. That's, That's, yeah. working people. My roommate just got home from France. That's and, why he's dressed like and that. And he's
2: wearing a yellow vest. <laughs> <laughs> he lit a fireman on fire. <laughs> I mean, you're just like yeah, part I mean, of this podcast by walking in the background. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bonjour, Sean.
3: I mean, yeah, we should be ta- we should be taking the money from the oil companies.
0: We should, just, yeah, nationalize them. Right yeah. yeah, there maybe was a missed opportunity at some point for for uh, you know our whole capitalist system to maybe form a patchwork that would slow any of this down or form some sort, of, sort of buffer. But I think we're actually hitting some, like an accelerationist point with this shit, where it's you know it's mm-hmm. it's we stop the capitalism and we you know, we just upend the whole system or we fucking die because the planet yeah. kills us, yeah. which but, is, you know, mostly bad, but uh, kind of good, <laughs> like the end of Watchmen when he drops the squid on everyone and then right. they get along, you know?
2: Because we all <laughs> unite against the squid. And in a way, climate changes the squid. Isn't that something to think about?
0: Spoiler alert. End of Watchmen ends with a squid. Yeah, um, we
2: will put a spoiler on this episode. But I, I mean, <laughs> the reason that we never got a carbon tax is the same reason you don't get anything nice in capitalism, which is the nice option is never the one that's taken by the society that can't plan any farther than five years ahead. Yeah. 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 So it was never going to happen. It's a it's a genie wishful thinking kind of thing.
1: Uh, as is cap and trade, which was like looking like the only solution Democrats were coming up with and now that's off the table, which is good because that was also a non-solution. That yeah. was the o- Obama
2: yeah. move. Yeah. But the reason that we uh, I mean specifically that we weren't getting any progress in the 80s and 90s when this was a universally known problem The Earth is heating up, we don't know why, and we're projecting that we're all going to start drowning is because of groups like the Global Climate Coalition, because of the works of the Koch brothers. The Global Climate Coalition itself kept the U.S. out of the Kyoto Protocol in 1998. It stopped other countries from joining it. The thing is, the people who work in these kind of businesses know exactly what they're doing. So while they're telling everybody that we don't have to be worried about climate change, they're exchanging internal memos in their company that say things like, uh, quote, victory will be achieved when the average person is uncertain about climate science. Right,
0: that was... (laughs) that was actually their goal.
2: It's like the writing is so bad for this end of the world. It's really terrible. Their goal
0: wasn't even to make people believe it's not real. It was just to spread uncertainty, which is such super villainous shit.
1: (laughs) Just to cultivate millions of self-described free thinkers who think they're like incredibly original by being like, I don't know about climate change.
0: Yeah, through Rick and Morty. To
1: distribute Rick
2: Sanchez's around (laughs) America. Just as a final note for the Exxon part of this, uh, as of when this article came out in 2015, according to Greenpeace, Exxon had spent more than $30 million on think tanks throughout the decades to promote climate denial, which is just essentially to throw a guy into every conversation who's just like, what are we even talking about right now? Yeah. Yeah.
3: And also, just think about how 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 little that is to them. Thirty million dollars is really fucking nothing. Like, if they really wanted to go at it hard, they really could.
2: They saw the end of the world and threw pennies at us. That's essentially yeah, what happened. And I th- one of my favorite examples on this, and I don't want to get stuck on this, was uh, similar to the you know Rick and Morty shitty line. Was uh, the South Park Man Bear Pig episode. You guys remember that?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch, but I remember it happening.
2: The thing about it is, it is very funny. It's just Al Gore, and he comes up, and he's just making things up. It's also, it He's, like, nothing like the real Al Gore. He's, like, an extra crazy guy. He talks like a, a, a like, schoolgirl or whatever. <laughs> and he leads them around to chase down man Bear Pig, But the only thing people knew Al Gore from was the climate change stuff. So you take this super powerful television show and tell, like, everybody in the most powerful country in the world with the worst climate record, uh, don't take this seriously. It's just an invisible man pig. Yeah, they had to
0: apologize for that, right? It's like
2: the only thing they've ever apologized for. And they apologized (laughs) for it in 2018. Yeah,
0: (laughs) What, two years ago? Did they do it in
2: 2018? (laughs) Yeah. Like 15 years later, they were like, oh, our bad on that one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, but let's just be excited that uh,
0: libertarians apologized for something. I know. It's quite remarkable. Um, And it does go to show you, I mean, I think you are right. That shit was funny, which... I think is, uh, I mean, it's just in an age when everyone's like, Comedy is about truth! Yeah. It's kind of an important thing to look at and go, No, you can make actually a really funny, compelling argument that is complete bullshit. It's kind
2: of like a du- well. tough time to be a comedian in that, uh, the moment to be funny seems like it's almost past. Well, also... <laughs> it's not just- very valuable socially right now. <laughs> Culturally... <laughs> <to> be hilarious. <laughs>
0: People, like, believe that what you're doing is, like you know, truthful and you're a philosopher and all this shit. And it's like, no, we're a bunch of fucking idiots. Listen to the scientists, you fucking moron.
1: Al Gore, he's sucking his own Uh. dick. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, I've said before, I think An Inconvenient Truth was a major setback.
0: Oh, that was was the funniest film I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you say it was a setback?
1: You got this boring, uncharismatic figure who has, like, (laughs) lost one of the easiest elections in recent Mm -hmm. history, posing no real, like, collective solutions to climate change just saying like oh it's a problem we got to deal with it and people just made fun of them they just roasted them it became like it was yeah it was very fashionable to do exactly what south park did i know everybody i went to high school with when that came out was just like no one took it seriously it was just like this is an old guy and this is an old guy issue this is if for, uh, for affluent people to care about because and i i mean a lot of it was about antarctica which of course is important but the the regions of the world that are going to be devastated by this are cities and people who are at the bottom rung of society right now, and and feel like the solution has got to come from them, and the problem has to be posed in in their terms. And I don't, th- and I think an inconvenient truth was a setback for that sort of narrative.
0: You're telling me I'm supposed to care about the North Pole, where a white man <laughs> named Santa Claus lives? <laughs> I care not. <laughs> uh, Santa.
3: Santa's actually black. Have you been to Amsterdam?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a PR move, right? It was a guy who came off losing the best, the easiest election, and so he had to rebuild his, you know, his, his legacy, which he he did it with that. And I think you're right. I think he was the wrong messenger, and it did backfire.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's um, the most
3: boring fucking guy in the goddamn world. He really is. Some people are so bad. I don't know if
1: anyone has made this joke, but uh, more like Al Bohr? No, I think you're the what? first one. Way to go, Anders! I just think of You that? just broke ground oh in God. 1996. I should write for South Park. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you write for a TV show right now.
1: <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where the f- where the fuck
3: was Gore when he was uh, the vice president? He he wasn't doing shit about it then. And then when right. he's out of power,
0: all of a sudden, you know, that's the kind of shit that
3: is why we are where we are.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he really was a. a, a a thing that, like, aided in a manufactured narrative that this is sort of a privileged thing to care about. Uh, does anyone mind if I get right into my thing, because I think it dovetails with what we're talking about. I oh, oh, no, man, after you, Jake. Um, okay, so... We
2: already segued to Al Bohr, which was the uh, <laughs> bullet point above this, so...
0: <laughs> so, um, I, everything that we've been talking about sort of all connects into uh, a large story that spans, you know, a few decades, and... I uh, I've basically I've been reading Dark Money for the last few months, which is a book. No oh God, Jane is that depressing? Mayer. Yeah, it's fucked it's... up. That's why, that's why I'm reading it in and, chunks. And, and,
3: and months is right because you literally can't sit down and, and
0: go through it at one in one reading. You just can't. Oh yeah, I have to do it in chunks because it's just it's so fucked up, and uh, also it's a long story. There's a lot of different stuff that I I mean, we already talked a little bit about um, like the Freedom School and how they overlapped with these crazy uh, cults that you know. Are, I, I learned from listening to the last podcast on the left right after we did our episode about Theosophy, this crazy cult that a bunch of libertarian thinkers were involved in. But that cult also is the origin of the um, hale Bop comet uh, fucking what's her, Heaven's Gate cult. So all oh. this stuff is connected. I'm continuing my theory that libertarians are warlocks and the bad kind. Uh, we'll get mm-hmm. to that a little bit in this section but um, you know, basically, I want to start by talking about something that we touched on, which is that climate awareness was actually a fairly bipartisan issue before the Koch brothers got involved, uh, when they realized that you know, it, the climate awareness is a thing that would be in direct conflict with their interests in the fossil fuel industry. So for example, LBJ's campaign, a Democrat, was largely funded by oil companies. That's a thing that used to happen before these things got sorted out from one side to the other. Republican President George H.W. Bush was very, uh, I mean, he active in terms of climate change. He's quoted at one point as saying, "We're going to combat the greenhouse effect with the White House." With effect. the White House effect, <laughs> which is <laughs> that's uh, how people talk back then. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. What, what a Such ridiculous a fucking idiot! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what he meant by that. His I'm sure plan was
2: to uh, use a jet strike onto climate change. Yeah,
0: he was just shoot the atmosphere. Yeah. Isn't that something? Didn't wasn't Trump going to nuke the sun at some point? I can't remember.
2: read my lips. I will kill the sun.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we will take his sunglasses. Why am I doing him like Iced Tea? Okay, uh, so, <laughs> which we've
2: established previously, we cannot do an impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, the Koch brothers, you know, their their journey from uh, you know from having the a father who's sympathetic to Nazi Germany that raise them in just the most bizarre way possible.
2: You're going to want to get stuck on that. Just move right on past it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they they're interesting because they started off as such far right like libertarian extremists that they weren't actually that involved in politics itself because they they for example would call the most right-wing people in politics like liberal whatever the equivalent of snowflake was back then. They would look at a fucking Rush Limbaugh or something to be like, this guy is a fucking hippie, you know?
2: Right, they do like Michelle Bachman's shit.
0: Yeah, they really just believed in sort of, um, you know, like the market uh, and that they could just operate as independent people with their money, but obviously that doesn't fucking work. Their whole thing is bullshit, right? So eventually they... Sort of uh, develop these ways to dump money into Republican politicians' pockets as a way of, you know, hijacking uh, whatever the fuck was already going on in the Republican Party at that time, um, and using, you know, this thing known as dark money that this book is about to influence the government. And one of the ways they did that was the concept of astroturfing, which is, uh, you know, this kind of almost psyop type thing where they would create. You know, a narrative from the ground up by hiring and paying people to pretend like they cared about a thing more than they actually did. Right. Mm. They would, um, you know, create in the
2: same way a field in an astroturf field. It's not a real field.
0: Exactly. It's uh, it's, it's fake. Oh, field. that's what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, fake grassroots. It's, it's also the what we're gonna have on the ground after climate change. It's, you can put it on a roof. It's gonna be the damn astrodome everywhere, and uh, you're yeah, gonna yeah. have a picnic with your uh, special lady, and it's gonna go. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. Look out for it's, the it's astroturf spiky, ants you fucked. We can't do this, right? So, you know, they create, like, PACs, special interest groups. We've already named a few of them. Um, but largely just these vague organizations that just had, like, all these insane names that, uh, you know, that, like, they're misleading. They kind of sound like they're actually about one thing when they're actually about something else. Um, the strategy of astroturfing came from the work of Doug Goodyear and Tim Hyde of this thing called DCI Group, which is one of many of these weird-ass names. <laughs> <laughs> they protected the interests of the tobacco industry by creating fake smokers rights groups which is not a thing anyone has ever organized for right outside of maybe like dennis leary or like that type of guy in the 90s <laughs> mm-hmm. but no one's ever showed up with fucking pickets Ugh, smoking is famously i'm on fucking break it's a famously cynical thing to do you know <laughs> so like yeah. no one's really rioting in the streets over it which is also hard to get a
1: chant going among smokers. <laughs> I mean. All right Anders, let's not, you know, attack <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Helpless di- people, the differently lunged <laughs> like myself. They're differently lunged. I. <laughs> we
2: are the last podcast that should attack smokers. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying about the
0: smokers' rights thing is, like, I, you, I live in New York. I pay $14 a pack for no reason. I should quit. I don't care. This is a well of apathy. This part of my life, smoking. You know, so like, the idea that they paid people to be out in the streets that are like, we're it's about liberty. Like, there was fake. Right? It's
2: weird. The comparison to the uh, astroturfing and just like effect of these misleading groups on the politics is always compared to smokers rights groups and like anti-smoking groups because people knew smoking killed you decades and decades before anybody did anything about it and it took millions and millions of lives which is what's going to happen very shortly here.
0: Well I think that's why uh, the mm-hmm. it was such a But everyone looked at how these people were able to maneuver and protect the obviously guilty tobacco industry and went, we should use those tools because they clearly fucking work. Right. Um,
2: You need somewhere to work after you've already pitched your big camel with sunglasses idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So... Um, they obviously hated Al Gore, and during the George W. Bush presidency, they worked with people like conservative pollster Frank Luntz to try to yeah. simply manufacture the narrative that it was normal to be kind of skeptical about climate science, as we were discussing before. Yeah, he's
3: he's one of the big evil names uh, that you'll, you'll come across when it comes to climate change. He, he, he did a lot of evil work, Luntz.
2: To kind of just get that across to the everyday citizen, we were considering renaming him Doomsday Luntz. <laughs> he always reminds me of the guy in, uh,
0: the guy in Thirty Rock. I always think I'm <laughs> Luntz, ah, oh, the Blimpies guy. He's even worse. Okay, so Luntz would do this by, for example, going on TV and just accusing scientists of lying about there being less polar bears around. You just flat out go, "There's polar bears everywhere. What are I you talking see, about?"
2: Hey, turn on a Coke commercial for five seconds. Tell me what you see,
0: buddy. <laughs>
2: Tell me what's up there?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I see polar bears all the goddamn time. So this actually worked, and over the years, uh, you know, in, according to polls. People would answer more and more skeptically about the concept of climate change. He um, really got it out there. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I thought there's I heard- a
2: man screaming through the wall. I don't know if it picked up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't tell. <laughs> I thought someone was screaming. We heard
2: him around this time yesterday too.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> later on, Obama would go on to push this uh, cap and trade deal, which was this you know vague, feeble, market centered thing um that you know had been tested before they really thought it was going to work um but obviously the early years of obama uh you know he just got stomped by the uh republican opposition who just flat out you know refused to 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 work with him in this way that he was described you know there had no reason to. I don't know why he didn't foresee this happening. Um,
2: right. I mean, I- expecting to get anything past these people who still won't move past the fact that they want to see your birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fucking impossible.
0: Yeah, the first few years of the Obama administration, he was
3: just living in in the West Wing. But you know, he also he also took you know our oil and gas production from what we were three to number one. Like Obama also. W- we went in and weakened the Paris Accords at the end. The U.S. are the ones who went in and were like, "Let's not make this legally binding. Let's back off of stuff." Like, Obama's not not at all. Uh, Any his legacy will be very very dark when uh, this is all said and done. Yeah,
1: he's, uh, he's just gonna say, yeah, he's another one who thinks that he's just kind of setting the stage for industry to take over for this, you know, green. Yeah. Privately funded green technology renaissance will just take hold at some point. And Any second now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Don't move to California, but we're about to get it. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it's a thing that like like liberals are still very much arguing just simply because i think they think the the you know the socialist response to this is maybe just not going to happen or unreasonable I, I always think about this episode of uh, when bernie sanders had a podcast a few years ago I don't think anyone really listened to this or caught it, but he had a, just a podcast where he podcasted. What was um, it called? It was he harassed women online. You know, no. it was one of those things. No, uh, <laughs> I can't remember. It's called the Burn Board. I can't Burn-town. remember. It was just called like the Bernie Sanders podcast or something. Bernie Sanders' experience. Yeah, the Bernie Sanders <laughs> experience. <laughs> you talking about MMA. <laughs> no, no. But he had um, I think in one of his first episodes he had Bill Nye on, and Bill Nye was just frantically. You could tell. You could hear the fear in his voice. And he was just saying, "It can happen. The market capitalism can solve this." Oh, and like no. you could tell, he knew it wasn't true. It was so weird. There's still a, a vague echo of this thing, but I think that um, well, now we have the Green New Deal, and people are maybe getting away from that a little bit. Um, but anyway,
1: but still not really. I mean, Al like- Gore too. On uh, he went on Russell Brand's podcast a few years ago, and he tried to make the same argument. It's actually Brand owed him pretty well, I will say.
0: Every once in a while, Russell Brand. You he know? Really yeah, it out. really gets one yeah. in. Yeah, he can do it
3: once in a while, but the the Democrats are definitely just completely wrapped up in the, the tech will save us, you know, nonsense.
2: And the other thing too is Brand is a big uh, carbon uh, producer with all the breathy gasps he has And his wonderful <laughs> lovemaking. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's uh, he's warmed the planet by one degree by fucking. Okay, that's my joke.
3: <laughs> 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 do you want to hear my Obama list? of shitty yes, please okay obama invested 34 billion to promote fossil fuel projects in other countries which is three times as much as uh, george w bush did he financed 70 fossil fuel projects uh that will release 164 million metric tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere every single year he financed two natural gas plants on an island in the great barrier reef uh, and th- they are two of the largest coal and two of the largest coal mines on the planet. He put in place the Clean Power Plan for the U.S., which would reduce carbon emissions by 2.5 billion over 15 years. But the foreign projects he approved just totally wipe that out. It's it's it means it doesn't doesn't mean shit. Uh, like we said, he reversed uh, the drop on oil production that had been going on since 1971, uh, a 74 percent increase. Uh, the U.S. pumped the most oil in 43 years in 2015 and became the number one oil producer, uh, uh, the number one petroleum producer. It's we're now number three for oil production behind Russia and Saudi Arabia, all because of Obama. Cool. Yeah, it's it's a pretty great legacy. So he also. Man,
2: I would have something to say and- if I had a beer summit with that guy.
3: <laughs> He's
0: just drinking a big glass of oil. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Obama's pushing this cap and trade thing, and as a response to that, um, a mysterious astroturfed fucking movement yeah. appears of uh, people basically just like rioting in the streets—not really, but you know, fucking with their tea party signs and stuff—and the the thing that they're all. So concerned about that, you know, supposedly occurred so naturally was this concept of the cap and trade bill causing their gas bills to go up. Yeah. Which is like a thing that only Hank Hill has ever organized about. Like, no one is. I. My <laughs> g- grilling, it's going to cost me hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you I'm know? I'm trying to grill. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Damn it, Obama. Whoa. Um. <laughs> Obama. Yeah.
2: What would King of the Hill have done if Obama was president
0: while he was <laughs> You can't think about that Would he that talk about it? Would he talk about it? Everyone on that show would have voted for Trump. Oh, it's not Obama. fun to think yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: I think there were some Gary Johnson supporters in there. Maybe. <laughs> That's true.
0: Dale Gribble is would be QAnon on at this point for sure. Yeah. Um I mean it really like I love that show and it did like kind of identify some of the precursors to that type of shit. Yeah. But uh, I think Bobby is probably
1: K-Hive. <laughs> yeah.
0: For sure. <laughs> His dad would be so pissed off. <laughs> um so, Cap and Trade would make it to the Senate basically dead in the water, but um, it was, it was uh, spoken on behalf of by this very bizarre coalition of Republican Lindsey Graham, Democrat John Kerry, and uh, who I would list as maybe like a verse political person. That's a, a gay term I learned on the internet. Uh, what Joe does it Lieberman. Mean? <laughs> it means you've, uh, you both fuck and get fucked. Um, oh, okay. Joe <laughs> Lieberman. A switch. Uh, is that what that is? That's what a switch is? I
3: always wondered. Okay.
0: I think so. I think it's another term for a switch. Um, Joe Lieberman, political switch. He likes it all.
3: (laughs) It's a
2: Nintendo term. (laughs) So,
0: Lindsey Graham, John Kerry, and Joe Lieberman, uh, you know, would speak about it and promote it in this sort of, like, bipartisan effort. Um, A group called American Solutions ran attack ads, framing cap and trade as a tyrannical nightmare. All of this culminated in a Tea Party activist calling Lindsey Graham Gay. Uh (laughs) it kinda went viral. And that person I think turned out to work for American Solutions, which is obviously run by the fucking Coctopus.
2: It's an op Wow. It's a
0: homophobic op. The funniest thing is is that like that's all they had to do was hire someone to just go. And I think the actual quote is somewhere he goes like Listen, pal, I don't care about what you do in your own time, you know, and uh I don't care about your lifestyle. I just mean uh, you know the energy bill thing and lindsey graham is just like what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) because he's not gay
2: (laughs) it's just like the kind of metal gear mission you would get working for the coctopus snake we need you to go do tropes to lindsey graham
0: yeah he says i'm a tolerant person i don't care about your private life lindsey but as our u.s senator (laughs) i need to figure out why you're trying to sell out your own countrymen i need to make sure you being gay isn't it Graham isn't gay, and the American (laughs) and American Solutions is funded by Newt Gingrich and the fossil fuel industry. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, I got an American solution for you: marry a woman. There you (laughs) go. Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Anders is...
2: So that was, like, the elaborate move to make Lindsey Graham a victim? Yeah, and it it was weird because it was already dead in the water. But,
0: I mean, this is just one of the many things they would do to slowly influence the culture. Um, Which is something that, like, you know, the, the Koch brothers straight up bride people plenty. But, I mean, they also just dump tons and tons of money into these, you know, like we talked about the Freedom School. These, like, think tanks and things like that to sort of pervade all of this you know this ideology as you know really trying to achieve like a cultural hegemony I guess um there are millions of AstroTurf groups and dubiously named think tanks in this book. For example, there's a group called just called CO2 is Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's owned by a coal magnate if you do a little digging. Um, but most of the tentacles of the Coctopus have origins in the Heritage Foundation and the group called Americans for Prosperity, or AFP. Mm-hmm. You can trace almost everything back to AFP in the Heritage Foundation. So, for example... Right after Obama was elected, um, when everyone was focused on the bailout, and that was really like the you know 24-hour news cycle was the economic crisis at the time, this ad popped up out of nowhere, right? the ad was um, a television spot about a spoiled slacker named Carlton. Uh, hey there, said a loose-looking young man plucking away at a plate of canapes. I'm Carlton, the wealthy eco-hypocrite. I inherited my money and intended fancy schools. I own three homes and five cars, but always like to talk with my rich friends about saving the planet. And I want Congress to spend billions on programs in the name of global warming and green energy, even if it causes massive unemployment, higher energy bills, and digs people like you deeper into the recession. Who knows? Maybe I'll even make money off of it. Carlton was in fact the creation of Americans for Prosperity so they just made a commercial with a guy who today would have a man bun you know the idea was like oh this this bougie effete hipster is the type of person that's into climate science. and they I like actually, that he, announced,
2: he just tells you what he's all about, though. He's like, what's up? I'm Alex. I'm the sleepy alcoholic.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a type, <laughs> of, a type of hit ad where you're just like, I'm a stupid climate guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what I'm fucking eating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like you. <laughs> um, the, Co- Co- the Koch brothers also, like, one footnote um, outside of the astroturfing thing that is just really funny to me is... Is that you know they themselves said little about the views on climate change. I'm just gonna read a little bit here from Dark Money. But in one interview, David Koch suggested that if real. It would prove a boon. The earth, would, the earth would be able to support enormously more people because a far greater land area will be av- available to produce food. He thinks that is, like, what happens after the earth warms. Is Crazy, it? if true. We could farm in the <laughs> you know South Pole or whatever. Um,
2: <laughs> that's, a, that's like the Sarah Palin thing. Like, what, you hate beach season year
1: round? <laughs> yeah. oh like gosh. a very specific future they've planned in their crayon book. Like, the thing about that is, like, by current estimates the world needs to double food production to sustain the the growing population by mid-century uh and the agricultural centers in a lot of the world are being devastated by climate change so if we don't do something like we literally can't make enough food for people
2: yeah 100 percent. yeah
0: uh
1: which will be a fun issue
2: among the Two thousand other issues we'll have as uh, yeah. state lines blur and people just start fighting in the streets for the food that's left.
3: I mean, if you if you look at what ha- what happened in America with the floods, you know, last year, the floods lasted until just like a week or two before it was the last possible week they could plant their crops. Because if it went past those two weeks, it was no longer viable to plant crops. So, like, uh, right right at the edge of literally not being able to plant crops and and tons of guys couldn't anyway but it's just one of those things that like it, it it's going to be completely devastating and there's going to be a year where there are massive floods and we can't plant crops that year and also in, in africa right now you have the, the biggest locust storm that they've ever had and that's climate change
0: you said locust storm? Locust storm. Locust, yeah, yeah. I've
2: been seeing this, too. Holy shit. You know in the Bible when they're like, oh, God is mad. <laughs> it's just that. <laughs> but it's now. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Uh, I love when stuff like really on the nose like that happens. That's
2: the thing is we're already so acclimated to this. Like, the Syrian refugee crisis and all that stuff was already aggravated by climate change and just droughts and uh, desertification of these places people live. Like, we deal with this every day and just ignore it.
0: Well, uh, Charles Koch would argue that (laughs) um, You're gay. (laughs) Yeah, that you're gay. And that's the answer to climate change. Um, His thinking was reflected in the company's in-house newsletter, which featured an article titled Blowing Smoke. Why are such unproven or false claims... Uh, Promoted, it asks. Rather than fighting global warming, the newsletter suggested mankind would be better off adapting to it. So there's a two-pronged thing happening here, which is that they argue that claims of climate change are, uh, you know, are, as is true in the scientific method, not entirely proven, but they're proven like with scientists agree that it's it's more certain than a lot of other shit that we already completely take as fact. Yeah. Um, so they're just trying to manipulate the language of science. But then they're also saying, but hey, if it is true... Uh, you know there's a whole other way we can go with this where we can adapt to it and it's cool so there's this really really black-pilled weird thing where they're just like well we have to accept that the end of the world is going to happen and there are various ways that we can work around that so one of the best ones is he says since we can't control mother nature let's figure out how to get along with her changes it advised a similar line was subtly argued in the david Koch hall of human origins in the Smithsonian National (laughs) Museum, which opened in March 2010. The message of the exhibition, funded by his fortune, was that the human race had evolved for better in response to previous environmental challenges and would adapt in the face of climate change, too. An interactive video game suggested that if climate on Earth became intolerable, people might build underground cities and develop (laughs) short, compact bodies or curved spines. (laughs) He made a video game (laughs) about this. Short, compact bodies? (laughs) Yeah, where he's like, you people could just go underground and curve your spines (laughs) to live underground. That sounds fun, right? It's already
2: very attractive. Ladies want to get themselves a mole man. Somebody who digs for the
0: pussy. (laughs) Yeah, that is the bleakest fucking thing.
2: It's just going to be, this is what our discourse is going to be. Like, this is the next step of this. We already remember in the uh, earlier dem debates when uh, Andrew Yang was like, I don't know why no one's talking about it. We have to find higher ground. (laughs) which is why I'm starting my space colony. That's just going to be the next phase of conversation we're having for the next 20 years. (laughs) because It's going to be undeniable when you're underwater and on fire at the same time. Like, yeah, I do need the space colony.
0: Yeah. Um, Dave, have you ever read uh, the Parenti? There's like, he has a new book about like this sort of eco fascism that might be coming. Uh,
3: Um, No, but I'm really familiar with eco fascism. Uh, I, I, I learned about it because I was on Twitter and I, said something and all of a sudden all these people were attacking me and they had trees next to their uh name and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? It seems like environmentalists are attacking are
0: me. And then
3: someone was like, no, that's the sign of the eco-fascist. So I started looking at eco-fascism. I have a I have an interesting theory on eco-fascism and Steve Bannon. Please. So uh if you guys ever heard of Biosphere, Biosphere 2. So Biosphere no. Uh, no, it was this um thing they built in Arizona
0: that basically mimicked the.
1: Oh shit! Sorry, I'm thinking of bio. Oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: not biodome.
0: Uh, Eco fascist film, by the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh true, yeah. Uh,
3: so, uh, so they created the biosphere, which was essentially um, it mimicked the planet. So, and it was a self contained, uh, you know, large uh, in- indoor thing that. that basically when these people went in then they were supposed to whatever farm and do different things and they were supposed to live in there for a while and what ended up happening was uh the greenhouse effect uh you essentially had carbon dioxide just uh overwhelming and and them and they had to leave well steve bannon was one of the funders and there's a there's a choice you can make at that point, which was the science was pretty absolute. Like we have to change the way we're living or this is what what happened at Biosphere is what will happen to the Earth. And uh, so you can change where you're living or you could use it with eco fascism and get rid of a lot of people. So I, I think uh, Steve Bannon being a part of Biosphere put some ideas into his head about where the Earth sure. was headed.
2: For sure it does.
3: Yeah. Um, it,
2: ever notice with those people, uh, there's a very specific uh, list of the people who need to go away? Yes. And they're right. never on their own list?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's, like, executed by cleverly defining who gets on to the lifeboat, not who's left out. Yeah, right, right, sure. right. Yeah. It's also fun when you uh, encounter a new group of psychos on Twitter via a specific new emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea there was tree Twitter. So I have a treat uh, for the end of this episode, or the end of my segment here at least, um, which is that in learning about all of these astroturfed organizations that the Coke to Puss used to manipulate the you know the this conversation this is the most anyone
2: has used the word coke to book <laughs> It's in the book Ever. a lot. It's you know
0: you know what it is. It's a cartoon of a large octopus that has it its tentacles. It needs no everywhere. explanation. It's wearing a little top hat. Um <laughs> it's a coke it's a octopus version of Mr. Peanut. Okay. Um and we have to kill it like we killed Mr. Peanut. I know. So <laughs> The absolute weirdest group they helped fund has to be this thing called the Cornwall Alliance, run by a guy named E. Calvin Beisner, who is something called a Dominionist, which is an extreme branch of Christianity that believes in totalitarian theocracy and whose goal is to, quote, bring order to the Alpha Quadrant by creating a theocratic American government where slavery is legal and the justice system is reverted back to the Old Testament. Dominionists are sometimes referred to as the American Taliban. Um, Fantastic. Beisner wrote this thing called the Cornwall Declaration, which attempts to invert and repurpose the biblical concept of stewardship. In Christian theology, stewardship is the concept that the earth and its resources belong to God, but he has given it to man as a gift, thus protecting the earth and its environment is a service to God. Or in other words, humans have stewardship over the earth and a responsibility to take care of it. Um, This theological concept has been historically uh, used to recruit evangelicals for environmental activism. Not a bad idea. You know, it's a healthy way to think about that. The Cornwall Declaration spins this as a denialist tactic. It has three tenets. First, the document notes that many people mistakenly view humans as principally consumer and polluter or consumers and polluters rather than producers and stewards. Second, Cornwall st- takes a critical look at the perception that nature knows best or that the earth untouched by human hands is the ideal. Third, the Declaration points out that while some environmental concerns are well-founded and serious, others are, are without foundation of, uh, or greatly exaggerated. So he attempts to invert this idea of stewardship as like, it's actually bad. like
2: Bizarro stewardship. Yeah, like right. God
0: wants us to fuck up the earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. In 2006, the Cornwall Alliance, simply by virtue of vocally believing all this insane shit, they were just doing their own thing. Like, just off on this weird kick... They just run into the Koch brothers essentially out there in the world because the Koch brothers read what they're God's doing. Plan. Yeah, <laughs> and they all that leads them to produce with the Koch brothers their most powerful project. A multimedia assault on climate scientists called Resisting the Green Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> <They've>, <laughs> <laughs> so. they empowered us to get our rap group together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the Cornwall, the Cokes find this group of people that have this really specific anti-environmentalist, uh, crazy, like, Christian cult going. And they realize we can use this as a way to wage more of a war on climate scientists. So they get together and they pr- produce a 12-part documentary series with an accompanying Book, There's a <laughs> fucking trailer for it on YouTube. Yeah, we'll put yeah. it in the episode at some point. You're
2: it's- gonna think you you get the whole picture from the 12 part series. You don't. You gotta read the book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the complete text. <laughs> I don't
0: know who is buying the whole thing, and the book is fucking crazy. Yeah. Resisting the Green Dragon. If you haven't figured it out, the Green Dragon is just the Green Movement. They call themselves Slayers because they fight against the green, they fight dragon. the green Dragon. Um. The hello. Sorry. The resisting the green dragon <laughs> 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 argues that oh, it's I, the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Bra-bra-bra! Uh, resisting the green dragon argues that environmentalism is a heretical, secular, church-like cult movement that is locked in battle with Christianity for your soul, and it works its evil by saying that nature comes before humans. So that's the evil that the environmentalist movement is doing, is saying nature, they want you to think about nature before you think about your own children, oh, who are not no. a part of nature, according <laughs> no. to the, right. this movement. No, have you seen these kids? My God. <laughs> Environmentalism is also a front for a world government, they believe, and uses the film Avatar as propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> they hate the movie Avatar. They, they also hate, for some reason, the... Uh, the guy who founded the weather channel is just like one of their big enemies i thought, <laughs> I some... thought
3: he he's but he's uh, he he doesn't believe in climate change wait really yeah, the...
2: no but he's part of the green dragon though right
3: <laughs> but no but the guy the guy the guy who or maybe it's a new guy who owns it but the guy who owns the weather channel is a climate change
0: denier <laughs> Well, it might be the guy who owns it now because the guy who started it, I looked him up. Does
2: the president appoint the CEO of the Weather Channel? <laughs> <laughs> He's a,
0: the, the Weather Channel was founded by a meteorologist who uh, named, let me pull this up here, John Coleman, who died two years ago. So it may be that his organization was taken over uh-huh. by an anti-climate person. I don't know. It's
2: an inside job, inside the Weather Channel.
0: But, um, I mean, fucking resisting, resisting the Green Dragon is just a treat. Uh, the, the YouTube videos are insane. They, they just use like new metal font to put their names yeah. down there. They're all former pastors. Former pastors. Like something happened. Yeah. Um, one of them is, you know, head of a group called the Concerned Women for America, which is just another vague, like, what does that mean group? Um, Concerned Women. They, they believe that AIDS and tornadoes are God punishing us. Oh, that's, like they that's took true. the homophobic thing. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Um, and well, we can agree on some points. They, <laughs> they also describe themselves as post-structural, which I think is really interesting because that is a movement that, um, you, you know, you know, I, I've been reading a lot of Gilles Deleuze lately. Like, there, the, there is like a whole other movement in philosophy that. It's really interesting that, you know, rejects some of the uh, transcendent and hierarchical ideas of philosophy up to that point. I don't know how they think what they're doing is that, though. Other than uh, Gilles Deleuze uses the metaphor of a tree a lot, and they either love or hate trees. I can't really tell. Um, but anyways...
2: The green dragon lives in the tree.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So you uh, gotta burn that down. If you're listening, we'll put some of their shit into the episode. Um... Children are naturally
1: susceptible to deception. Not surprisingly, the Green Dragon targets your children more than any other group. It subjects them to a steady drumbeat of environmental propaganda that contradicts the Christian perspective.
3: Avatar was a $3 billion box office success with all of its Oscar winning 3D artistry. What was the premise? Humans have trashed the Earth and now they're invading other planets to rape them as well. As Ruth Dothit correctly notes in the New York Times, there's a
0: gospel at work here. Look them up. It's complete batshit insanity. Yeah, Dominion is really terrifying. Uh, Ted Cruz's father is one. Wow. Wow.
3: That's right. (laughs) That
0: surprised me at all. Although that is, I mean, is Ted Ted Cruz more moderate than his father? That's crazy. Um, His father thinks he's Jesus Christ, I
3: I believe. (laughs) So... So. yes <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy
0: shit <laughs> that's about uh all i have for this episode but i guess the narrative that i'm trying to get through here is that um i, I was a friend of mine on his own podcast a while back was asking the question like uh how did this become like a uh, how did climate become a like a conservative issue because it doesn't really make that much sense until you start to Think piece together it. What they are led to believe, which is that um, you know the the things that we are proposing to fight this thing um, would. Negatively affect what they perceive as something good happening in the market, which is all these people producing all these fossil fuels. And they also think, you know, well, this is big government, evil socialist shit or something. But these narratives were planted by a small group of people over the years. I don't know. I mean,
2: it affects that opinion. Naomi Klein makes a very good point and This Changes Everything, which came out a few years ago. I remember this part of the book. Sure. Which is that, uh, Uh, Conservatives fight tooth and nail against climate change because they, almost more than liberals, correctly understand that in order to escape a certain fiery and watery death, you have to interfere with market forces and make some plans about how to run your society. And just move politics in general to the next phase of development
0: yeah the two sides of the argument are republicans saying that's bad and like democrats saying that's not actually happening
2: but the part of it that almost makes it apolitical is they're still stuck with us it's not like they're on a different planet <laughs> they're still going to burn right. alive
0: no they we're going to live underground well, while they I mean, have curved
2: uh, spine. uh
3: do you guys know about the bunkers
2: Oh, I'm sorry. What? Kn- tell me. Do you know, do you know about the, it? Hasn't made its way over to Brooklyn yet. Do you yet? know about the
3: rich guys' bunkers? Uh, no, please tell us. So, um, they're they're mostly up in like uh, uh, the Dakotas and Wyoming and um, places like that.
2: Do you have an address? Uh, <laughs> so, they're
3: they they've they've created bunkers that are enormous, and they will uh, they're supposed to last if not forever, you know, 10, 15 years inside there, they have pools, they have gyms, uh, and they sell for like, uh, two, two to $5 million to get, uh, whatever it is, an apartment in there. And when the apocalypse happens, they're, uh, they're all ready to go. They have escape plans and they, and they go to this, this bunker. And if you see a video of them, it's, it's one of the most insane things you've ever seen. But, there are tons of these rich people who you're saying they're going to burn with us. Well, they don't think they're going to. we got to burn right. them first.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're correct. Yeah. There is an elite few that will get out. But the percentage of people who hold this opinion, they're not getting out. <laughs> like all fun- Republicans are not getting right. out. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. There
0: are a lot of people the, that are voting the against The funny thing to me interest.
1: is this idea that uh, we're environmentalists are putting the earth – before humans. When it's really the opposite, like the earth is going to be fine in the long run. We're going to go extinct. Right. And then the earth will have a little damage that it will just kind of self-correct and then just keep on being a planet without human yeah. beings on it. Well, George yeah, Carlin because, over here
0: because the earth doesn't perceive time like us, so it'll just yeah. like pick us off like a mosquito and then the fucking something will happen. The Earth also isn't like alive. It's Gaia it's al- will
2: remove the louse from her dress. <laughs> it's <laughs> the sparkling for the ball of time.
0: Yeah, this is a huge problem for us, like living on yeah. the fucking thing. Um, that uh, there's a new season of uh, American Horror Story that is based around those bunkers. It's not good, but I enjoy the show. Okay, it's my trash TV. I do
2: like that it's like Fallout. Yeah, if you guys want to like pool some money and just like consider just having one i'm a really good roommate i just like <laughs> listen really well and i'm just up or whatever and I, I i i like you guys i think let's but last here, out. we got it yeah
0: here's the thing about we
3: should all start a, planning
0: for that here's the thing about having a bunker for the podcast.
3: apocalypse um and you're rich if you're rich you're you you couldn't be a more useless human being in end times i mean like almost any other person on Earth has more skills than you to survive in some kind of way, but what? But they've all they've all hired guards to surround their bunkers. Well, the guards are just going to fucking kill them and bring their families in. Like that's how these things work. The first people to die are always the the guys surrounded by right. security oh, like, guards who will take all their shit.
0: Twenty eight days later, well, yeah, because it, like after the apocalypse, you what They're not going to... That's right. Money's not going to mean anything. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to give you more green dollar bills that Mm -hmm. you can spend out there in the scary, you know, uh, gray landscape with the dead tree and everything.
2: Right. So if you want to do well, join a shady mercenary Mm -hmm. arms group, I think. That's the lesson here. And maybe that's what we can look into.
0: Yeah. We have to start um, developing uh, those single shoulder pads that you only wear on one shoulder with the spike on it. Right. And uh, you and know,
2: enlist in Frieza's army.
0: Trucks that we can all stand on while we drive around and shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyways, uh, I think we're getting pretty close here. You guys? Yeah, I mean, the else? only
2: final point I had on this, and we we kind of talked about it earlier, was uh, the proposed solution in the. Uh, uh, discussion politically is always you know why don't we have a carbon tax i heard pickle rick say it's time for a carbon tax let's get epic on it my fellow man but uh the reality of the situation is we are so far past the moment for a climate tax that without going into it the only way out of this situation at this point in time is to just let's just say it it's to nationalize the oil industry (laughs) it's to grab this fucking uh, thing that's going to kill us and drive it into the ground before it kills you Uh, and that is not even in it's implicit in the Green New Deal but it's not spoken of if you google nationalize a Green New Deal only Republican websites come up but that's what we gotta do and uh, maybe we'll do
0: a different episode on that more specifically and what do you think we should do well they
3: they go to the Hague and they fucking they get the end the Nazis did
0: and and on
3: and honestly, if you want to that's stop if you saying. want to stop you know, the Koch brothers and other people from doing this shit, that, that's the answer. A couple of them get the death penalty or whatever you want to call it, and then they start thinking, Oh, maybe this isn't worth it. Right.
0: Yeah. We have to kill the coctopus. just We right. have to stab it through its little monocled eye and then it dies. <laughs> that's the only way it to is. kill an octopus. And then we eat it. It is the only way to kill <laughs> or no, we eat it alive. <laughs> well, they're smart. We yeah. eat it like an old boy when he eats that squid alive. He
2: eats squid alive. Did you know that uh, the actor who plays the guy, in old boy, is vegan? Oh. and they made him do that scene four times.
0: Jesus Christ, oh. <laughs> that is fucked up. That's yeah, probably one of
2: the most <laughs> upsetting anecdotes I've ever heard.
3: Well,
0: that's cool. Well, um, <laughs> I think that uh, I think that about does it. This is a good app. Um, I'm just very oh happy God. I got to share resisting the green dragon with the world. <laughs> um, Gonna go find them now and try to join their cult. Um, Does anyone want to plug anything before we get out of here?
2: Uh, Dave, what do you have going on? Just the
0: dollop. I just have a podcast called the dollop. That's it. The dollop. If uh, somehow you are fans of us and you don't know about the dollop, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's the way that that. I don't think that's the direction that dynamic works. But if it is, (laughs) uh, listen to the dollop. It's really good.
2: Yeah, check it out. They're up and coming. <laughs> I just <laughs>
0: listened to the one you did with Patton on, um, was it Reagan you guys did? Oh,
1: uh, Reagan. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one with Patton Oswald.
0: Yeah. Man. Yeah, it was funny as shit. Yeah, it and turns it out also it very depressing. Like, turns out we've been here before, huh?
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta laugh.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, um,
2: and if you are fans of us, you have to come to our March 3rd live show for Super Tuesday at Caroline's on Broadway right. in Times Square.
0: I'm told we're gonna have a um, like a promo word you can type in to get tickets for ten bucks. Nice. Green so dragon. Uh, yeah, Green Dragon. We're, yeah, we're all gonna
2: get together. This w- Green Dragon. Oh, is the Green word. Dragon. Yeah. We will almost definitely not be in charge of picking the word. <laughs> <laughs> but if we are, it's gonna be Green Dragon.
0: Yeah. Well, I picked one today, but I pitched it at them. I gotta see if they like it. Yeah. I I don't know how this works. Details to come. This is the first club I'm working that isn't uh, like a broken-down train station or a crust punk apartment in a while.
2: All you Uh, need to know about this is we're all going to get together and take a real cute photo op they're going to (laughs) put on a billboard in Times Square, and it's going to be hilarious.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, but... We are doing our live uh, debate show again on the 19th at Secret Loft. Um, And like I said, or like Alex said, our Super Tuesday show is going to be fucking huge. We're going to put a lot of work into it. It's probably the biggest thing we've ever done. So if you're in New York, I know it's in Times Square, baby, but come on out and we will fight Elmo together after the show.
2: Yeah, spend a night at the M&M store. Yeah. Other than that, follow me on Twitter at Patak
1: Jokes. Andrews, you got anything? At Anders Lee here on Twitter. If you're in Vermont, come to my show, Dummy, on February 29th, 8 p.m. at the Revelry. Mm
0: um i will be in pittsburgh pennsylvania d's cafe on valentine's day for some reason just to go into Ooh. pittsburgh to <laughs> do Looking a show for love. and i'm gonna hang out in a bar called take a break where beers are very large and two uh, dollars smoke inside for uh, the great holiday of valentine's day and um i think
2: if you're a single woman in pennsylvania this is a real chance for you to capture jake
0: <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Give me your smokiest bar hag. I will fall in love. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I've also got tons of shit on my pinned tweet. I think I'm going on tour with Street Fight again in April. We're going to Florida, so uh yeah, I don't know. Just keep paying attention. And, oh, one more thing. One more thing. If you like our podcast, uh, I always forget to do this. Rate, review, and subscribe in the iTunes app, because it'll help us get our numbers up. And we need to reach more of right. the stupid children.
2: And if you see a climate executive of some kind, uh, harass them and make them afraid for their lives. I guess that's my <laughs> only plug. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: That's a good plug. All right. Uh, that's a podcast, everyone.
2: Yep. Uh, I'll see you at the meeting. Thanks, guys. It is finished. It's finished.